land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk Good evening. Welcome to Yada Yada. My name's Craig. We're here with uh, Kirk and uh, Dee. And we're going to continue in what is, um, in my view, the Song of Dode, Dode's Song, the 89th Mismore. I think that the 89th Psalm is second only to portions of the Torah, the most important piece of prophecy and literature ever written. Uh, You could consider it the cornerstone of the covenant, the cornerstone of Yahweh's family home, uh, which some people refer to as the temple. Um, it is the uh, prophecy that should have destroyed both Judaism and also Christianity before they were born. Mm-hmm. Had Jews and Israel um, at the time recognized the obvious, since Dode told them exactly the day, that he would arrive in uh, Jerusalem to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, and Bakudim. And since he had written a first-person account of his fulfillment of Passover in the 22nd Psalm, or Mismore, and had written a first-person account of his fulfillment of Matzah uh, in the 88th Mismore, uh, and had in the first 25 Mismores explained precisely why he had decided to do this and why Yahweh approved his plan to fulfill each of the seven Moed Mikrei. Um, beyond that, in the, both in, in 2 Samuel uh, 7 and in the 2nd Mismore and again in the 89th Mismore, uh, it is clearly stated that Dode is the Son of God and that he is also the Messiah. So with all of that information, how was it that, that those uh, who were forming Judaism at that time, and it was 
at the point uh, that this all took place was only one person referring to himself as a rabbi. That happened to be Paul, the uh, <laughs> author of much of the Christian New Testament. But shortly after that, the rabbis themselves said, hey, that's a pretty cool title. It means uh, exalted. We ought to be using that one. They stole it from uh, from Paul, I guess, turnabout's fair play. But for them to have not rebutted Peter and Paul with this Christ BS, uh, and mm -hmm. that uh, Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God, uh, is, is almost unthinkable that they could have allowed this to go on and not brought out the overwhelming evidence against it. And for them to now go another 2,000 years and say nothing, it's, uh, it really is reprehensible. So yes. between these various mismore and what we, we have learned through the prophets elsewhere, um, we come to recognize something that has not been heralded, uh, well, really for 2,500 years. Now, I did mm -hmm. have somebody write me, and I think they were trying to be a, uh, um, a good steward of, uh, of accuracy and say, oh, it's not true. You're not the only one that has said these things. There's this fellow that wrote in the 1850s that, uh, that David was the Messiah and that Christ actually has a slightly different meaning. Uh, you can get anything else right. And that's just the beginning of it. I mean, we recognize that there was no Jesus and that the person that uh, whoever he may have been, if he even existed, that the New Testament refers to as Jesus Christ could not have been the Messiah. And we knew that yeah. uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago. Uh, that's not difficult to figure out. That That is exceedingly obvious. Now, the fact that you know, this person could only find one person in the last uh, 200 years that had figured it out is pretty embarrassing. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. The reason that I, I use Masay Yah, the work of Yah, to describe what I referred to as Yosha, since we needed a name, since obviously Jesus didn't exist in the first century. Right. Uh, but as I say, that's it's just a touch of what we found. Uh, right. It, it was probably... Ten years ago that we began to talk about Dode as the son of God. The prophets also are very wasn't clear. Yada. Right. It wasn't yada. That it's, yeah, it's Dode that's the son of God. Uh, and so, say, 10 to 15 years ago, I began to, to share something about replacement theology that heretofore no one had discussed, mm -hmm. which is that the basis of uh, replacement theology is not what the clerics claim, which is a replacement of Israel by uh, Goyim and the church. That's, that yeah. happens to be the consequence of the, the basis of replacement theology. Replacement theology is when Peter and Paul both claimed that Dode was dead and buried, and so that every prophecy and every accolade and every title and every achievement ascribed to him, there's a boatload of them, 
uh, an, an arkful, if you will, actually applied to their mythical misnomer, Jesus. And that that was how this myth grew into the perception that he was somehow the son of God uh, and uh, a Christ, a Messiah. That wasn't discussed anywhere. And to bring that point home, you really have to understand why Yahweh chose to anoint and how he anointed Dode three times. Or why Yahweh specifically said that Dode is his Masayak. He says it of nobody else. It's also important to understand the basis of what Christos means, which is to be drugged. But if you're really going to pursue this, and you're going to claim that you got it right, then you need to do what no one else in history has done, which is to write a series of books called Questioning Paul. Now, I know that Thomas Jefferson figured out that Paul was a charlatan. Didn't explain why, but he certainly figured it out. And, and there have been um, two or three people over, uh, over time that have criticized uh, Paul in terms of his, his contradictions against Jesus. Uh, I think there's a website, uh, Jesus' Words Only. What a waste. Because you're now comparing the guy that inspired and wrote almost all of the Christian New Testament with his own myths. I mean, that's basically what they're doing. They're saying, well, Jesus said, well, what Jesus is alleged to have said was mostly inspired by Paul. Luke was his propagandist. Uh, Mark, it even talks about how Paul told his gang, his posse, you need to go after Mark because... I can really use him. And so that's the the two of them. And and Matthew is nothing but uh, Mark and Luke combined. That's about uh, 90% of it. And 10% of it is plagiarized from uh, the, those that actually, yeah, the, the uh, Nebonim that, uh, that actually, had some understanding of what now Dode said in Hebrew. But even then we have to wonder, you know, is even that credible? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the basis of it. And then, of course, Paul wrote the 14 books, and the book of Acts is all about him. Yeah. No one has ever written a book or a series of books like Questioning Paul to drive this point mm-hmm. home, to demonstrate that the Christian New Testament is complete and utter rubbish, a complete fabrication, that you can disprove it by comparing what Paul wrote against what Yahweh said, not what the myth of Jesus said, against what Yahweh said. No one else has ever done that. No one else has explained the prophecy in Chabauk, which specifically calls Paul out by name and calls him the plague of death. No one has gone through the book of Acts and taken Peter's and Paul's first speech 
and show that every single statement they made was untrue. No one has taken the time to explain that the Christian New Testament is a complete fabrication in the sense of there are over 300,000 inconsistencies between the first 69 oldest manuscripts and the Texas Receptus and the Nestle Allen. There's only a what, 180 some odd thousand words and 300,000 discrepancies. That's amazing. Uh, it, the history of it is, is fabricated. The things that it claims are impossible. They never took place. It's written in some places like the Sibylline Oracles and other places like the Tales of Odysseus and other places as if we were, had the reincarnation of Dionysus. But you need to do that if you're going to state a claim that is as bold as what we have stated, which is the one thing no one has done, ever. Well, it's backed by Yashiach 53. That Dode is the Zoroa. Nobody even knows what that word meant until we discovered it. That's the introduction to Yashiach 53 you just mentioned. That Dode is, therefore, the Passover lamb. And Yada would figure it out. That, yeah, and that it says that Yada would figure it out. Yep. Uh, so to recognize that Do didn't just get set up to come back and fulfill Yom Kippurim, which we're the first to ascertain, and to be the king of Sukkah, but that Dode fulfilled each of the first four Mikra, Pesach, Matzah, Bakudim, and Shabuah. And we explained precisely how Dode fulfilled the most complex of them, which was matzah, by taking our guilt and carrying it with him into Sheol and depositing it there. Because by doing so, there is no testimony that can be brought against us. And if there is no testimony that can be brought against you, you are not guilty. It was genius what God did. And it was genius on behalf of Dode, David, to recognize that he could give up two days, two hellish days, being tortured by the Romans and then spending an entire day in Sheol. But that the benefits of that is that he would be the savior of his people. He would right every wrong they had done for two days. Earn their respect, earn their love, become our savior, make it possible for him to lead Israel into eternity. These are a lot of things to put together to understand this picture and present this great mm-hmm. treasure to Israel, to Yehudim, to the world. And it has been done no place else. Now, The reason that it's important for you to know that it has never been done, and you can look it up, you know, go spend the next six months, you won't find it. And the reason it's important is there are hundreds of prophecies addressing what we're doing. Hundreds of them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. 
the individual is called the choder. The longest presentation of this mission is described as a choder. Interesting term. Secondary branch or sucker? Secondary branch, who's the primary branch? Dode. You better be able to climb out on that one and know that it's sturdy if you're going to be the choder. Mm-hmm. A sucker. What is the sucker? A sucker, particularly as it relates to the olive, is if you take a, uh, uh, an olive tree that has gotten old and, and it's lost its, uh, its vibrancy and it's collapsed and out of that stump, you have new growth. That's a sucker. Out of the old rootstock, which is what uh, it says constantly when I was describing this individual, out of the old rootstock is where that sucker is going to grow. And it's the original mm-hmm. rootstock, that original stump, and it gives the tree new life and makes it possible for it to be productive again. The oldest prophecies about him are already in the Torah. He's mentioned all throughout the Torah. Mentioned all throughout Shamuel. Mentioned all throughout the Mizmor of of Dot. He is as central to the writing of Yashaya as is any individual. Because Mm -hmm. you are not going to be able to prepare God's people for Dod's return with Yahweh without this individual. And, and this was, you know, a, a really a, an epiphany to, to realize that with Yahweh's prophecy, calling him a Bashar, which is a, a human herald, calling him the coal, the voice that calls out, calling him a Malak messenger, calling him a, an Ida witness, calling him the Nakar, which is a observant foreigner. With all of the choders we mentioned uh, uh, briefly, mm-hmm. uh, calling him uh, Yada, one who knows. That with all of these references, Yahweh put his reputation and that of his prophets on the line. For Yahweh's prophets, there has never been a mistake. Everything they've said has come true. Prophetically, I mean, Yahweh refers to, to Moshe as the greatest of the prophets, but it's because that Moshe was great in many ways, including saving his people. He was one of the two mighty Zeroah. But in terms of just the breadth of prophecy from beginning to end, no one compares to Yahshua. Right. And Yahshua covers this over and over again. I mean, it's not only the, the almost exclusive theme of the 11th chapter. Once you move towards the end of the book and you get to chapters 45 through 60 some odd, it's a driving theme. And so you have this prophet who... We have the entire scroll found in the Dead Sea, above the Dead Seas in Qumran, who has gone out of his way to say this individual is going to arise, and this will be his job. Yahweh now has put his credibility and his prophet's credibility on the line. What if that guy fails? Yeah. What if he says, you know, this is just too much. I, I want out of this. You know, I didn't sign up for 32 years at uh, seven days a week at 10 to 14 hours a day. 
no a guy's got to have some job. fun, right? No, I didn't sign up for that. No, what, what if he fails? What if he turns out to be as big a nincompoop as he was when he started? He doesn't learn. What if he has an ego and he's not willing to go back and correct his mistakes as he learns along the way? What if he gets too big for his britches and wants to be more than a witness and a herald? All he is is the guy conveying the message. To have all of these prophetic references to him, God put his reputation on the line. He said, this guy's going to come. This is what he's going to do. And then he has his prophets explain the result when he returns with Dode on Yom Kippurim, which is there's a family reunion. So God can't allow him to fail. He's gone on to say, this is going to happen. And I'm here to tell you, it can't happen without him. Now, that's, that may sound overly bold, but it's just the, the reality of it. I've finally had to just accept it. Why? Yeah. You know, when, when Moshe, 18th chapter um, of Dabadim, uh, and Moshe is uh, going back and explaining all of this, and God's talking about it, and they're talking about false prophets and, uh, and, and trustworthy prophets and, and the one that's going to come after him and, and, and who he's going to be. And he's speaking of, uh, of Dode, and, and I don't think anybody has figured that out up to this point. Uh, uh, but he says, you know, when, when, uh, there's to be a prophet like me that's going to come from you. Uh, when he's discussing all of this, Yahweh says, listen, I, I tried to talk directly to you. You hated it. You said, I don't want to see his brilliant light. I don't want to hear his voice. I, I Don't do that again. And God said, yeah, you're right. It's, that was, was overly intimidating. I won't do that again. So what does that mean? That means that God cannot speak directly to his people again until he returns. That's what that means. So what does that mean? Yes. That means if God wants to awaken his people, he's got to find someone to communicate through. That means that when uh, the, the myth of Jesus Christ existed, it was a complete fabrication because they pretend like he's God, and yet God said, I'm not going to do that again. So God put himself in a position where he said, he promised that he would only communicate through men and women to his people. So what happened? Well, according to Yahshua and the other prophets, Israel went 2,700 years. At least 2,500, probably more accurate because of Malachi. Without a single prophet. In fact, when Dode is speaking to Daniel, and Dode is Gabriel, God's most courageous and competent man, which is Gabriel is what it means, uh, man of God, uh, when he's speaking to him, he's very clear about uh, the, uh, the fact that he's going to come into Jerusalem and he's going to, to do all of these things and that he is the Messiah who is, uh, who is responsible for it. But he, one of the things he says is that it's going to put an end to prophecy. There'll be no more prophetic revelation. So now God's in another 
box that he has made for himself. You know, God can put himself into a box. He can restrict himself. He restricted himself when he told Moshe and the children of Israel and the body of 18, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to speak directly to the people. I'm going to communicate through the likes of Moshe, which is why he's saying there's somebody that's going to come after him. Well, he's speaking of two different individuals. The first of them happens to be Dote that he will communicate through. And there's no one he communicated more through than Dode. But the second thing is, he said there'd be no more prophets. So after Malachi, no prophets. And it makes sense in this role that, that he wouldn't want a prophet because he said, I looked, I couldn't find a single person to communicate my message through. There was no one willing to listen to me. And that's the first prerequisite. You've got to be willing to listen to God. Then you have to be willing to accept what he says when doing so puts you at odds with essentially everyone. And when God couldn't find any of his people for 2,500 years to communicate through, and when he said, uh, there'll be no more prophets, he put himself in another box. And maybe, maybe this is like Houdini. You know, if I put myself in enough boxes and then I still show that I'm able to get this done, that you'll believe that, you know, I, I'm, I'm for real. <laughs> and so the next box he put him into is that there would be no prophet, so he has to be a witness. And that's why he never refers to this, this uh, last Ida as, uh, as a prophet, a Nabi, but strictly as a Bashar, a herald, a coal, a voice, a, an observant foreigner, a Nakar, a Choder, a, a secondary branch. So he is now committed to using a goyim, and a goyim who is a witness. And, and this box that he put himself in, this is kind of an illusion uh, as a box, because a prophet would have been less effective than a witness. You know why that is? Why would, let's just pretend that I was, uh, uh, that he said that it was going to be a Yisraelite that was going to, convey this message as opposed to a goyim and that he had not said anything about uh, no more prophets and he decided starting in 2001 32 years left uh, that he was going to use a prophet again why would that be not less effective than a witness that's correct not enough time what a whole a prophet is about not seeing what tomorrow is going to be I mean I can tell you what our tomorrow is going to bring. I, I said that when we invaded, for example, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. I said, this is how it's going to turn out. It wasn't a prophet. I just educated was guess. rational. When we <laughs> used the Ukraine uh, to, as a proxy against Russia, I said, this is how it's going to turn out. It's playing out exactly that way. You know, those kinds of things, when you're predicting what's going to happen a year, five years down the road, ten years down the road. That's not a prophet. That's simply being informed and having an understanding of uh, prior events so that you can predict future outcomes. You don't need God's inspiration to do that. To be a prophet, you have to put in writing an eventuality that no human could have predicted at that time and it has to be explicit and detailed and well-publicized such that when it occurs, everybody said, whoa, that 
is amazing. But let's say at that point, how many years do you really have? You don't have 32. Maybe you have 20. You have to allow people then to investigate this and come up with the realization, wow, he had prophecies. Now, these would have to be prophecies that were 10 years, <laughs> five to 10 years out, that were still 10 years before his return, that were far enough out to be unknowable, mm-hmm. but not so far out that they couldn't be used to validate the testimony far enough in advance that it would still have some merit to God's people. Well, it, it, in addition, you would have to have it have to be written and available, which it wouldn't necessarily have been to the masses. Like all the prophets we know now, is because they're written down. We, you know, they came out either out of the Dead Sea Scrolls or even the Masoretic Text. Right. You couldn't do it. you couldn't pull it off. It would be uh, a waste of time. And, and we don't need any other problem. Any you know, the, other, anyway. the other issue is that if yeah, I was trying, not if, since Yah was trying, to get Yisrael's attention and say, you know, you have really been irascible. You have been dunderheads. What is it about you? Because there has to be some sense of, oh, we really screwed up. You've got to have a Zachariah 12 moment. Zachariah 12 mm-hmm. is where Yahweh says, you know, I'm going to return. I'm going to put my spirit of reconciliation over uh, over uh, Jerusalem, and they're going to look up to me and the one that I'm accompanied with that they have pierced, and they're going to mourn for him as you would for an only child, recognizing, holy crap, yeah. Passover lamb all the while was dowed. How did we screw this up? What an embarrassment it is for us. So if since that has to happen, there has to be some attrition, the best way to accomplish that is to have a lowly goy read your existing Torah, prophets, and Psalms and figure it out. And then explain it to you using only the Hebrew text of the Torah, prophets, and Psalms that have been available to you 2,500 years to 3,000 700 years, mm-hmm. or 500 years, sorry. That's the ultimate embarrassment. That's the, oh, man, how did we blow this? It was so obvious. And it is that obvious. So that's what God has set up. And the 89th Mismore just happens to be the bell at the, uh, at the end of the battle that says, okay, Dunderheads, I have provided absolute proof that everything he's telling you is true. Yep. That's what this is all about. That's why this mismore is so important. That's why the prophets are so important. It's, it's just astonishing what the Jews have missed in their own language for oh this many years. Right. And part of it is, as I was dealing with uh, one of Yahweh's prophecies uh, today, is that knowing that God told his people, don't, he didn't say don't listen to the Goyim, 
He couldn't because he painted himself in this box because it was going to be a goyim that would awaken them in the end and call them home. But he says, don't, don't copy their ways. And right. so uh, with all of the disgusting Gentile conspiracies that are anti-Jew and their anti-Semitism and their tendency to bludgeon and uh, exterminate Jews uh, from the Greeks to the Romans to the uh, Ottomans and the Byzantines and the Roman Catholic Church and the Nazis, uh, Jews are not particularly receptive to a goy. No. But this is a goy that's telling them, this is your God's name. He's Yahweh. This is your Messiah. His name is Dode. He's the Son of God. He is your Savior. He fulfilled the Moed Mikre, which you don't even celebrate anymore. But this is what it means to you. And this is how those Moed Mikre serve to provide the benefits of the Baeth family covenant relationship. And so for that to prevail and be convincing amongst people who have you know, been pretty stiff-necked and anti-Goy, well, that Goy is going to have to have evidence. Well, that I'm looking at just the spines of the book. It's about four feet now, just looking at the spines. Yeah. And every book <laughs> is based on exactly the same thing. Here's what Yahweh said. This is what it means. Four feet of that. This is what Yahweh said. This is what it means. You can't refute that. Right. And that's what he needed. He needed irrefutable proof that what he said was true. This is what we're providing. So why did Yahweh offer his choder, his seven spirits? Because there was no time for a mulligan. There was no time for plan B. None. Had to get it right. And he couldn't get it wrong because he would invalidate himself and every one of the prophets because he said, this is what I'm going to do and it's going to work. So the only way to make certain that that was going to all happen the way he said it would is to throw uh, seven spirits upon, uh, upon him so that, you know, when Dode was, for example, uh, anointed, the spirit of Yahweh came upon him. Well, with the Choder, it's seven. And who knows how many others are creating a no-fly zone for hurricanes over St. Croix. (laughs) (laughs) But nonetheless, I digress. So that's what we're talking about here. You know, it's... um, it was a joy last week. I think it was the the, the Shabbat after the uh, the program the following morning when uh, Dee sent me uh, the results of what's blossomed in Israel recently. Yes. If you go back two years, there were Yehudim who had become part of the covenant based upon this mission that Yahweh has empowered called Yada Yahweh, to know Yahweh. Yeah. And... About two-thirds to three-quarters of those who have done the the DNA testing 
uh, that are part of the covenant family have found out that, oh, son of a gun, I'm Jewish. I'm not, of course, because I was told, it was prophecy that I would be Goy. And sure enough, I am. Not a trace of Jewishness other than I'm probably more Yehud and more Yisrael than, than anyone claiming to be both with the DNA to prove it. Now, right. you go back two or three years, and we've been doing this at that point, 19 to 20 years, and there were Yehud in the United States and in Great Britain and in New Zealand and in Australia and, and places that, that uh, spoke English, uh, but none, not one, in Israel. Nope. Well, now there are 1,400 at one level or another of awareness that have identified as living in Israel, of being Jewish in Israel, and have, in, having turned to the pages of Yada Yahweh to learn more. Wow. And a significant number of that, those 1,400 have sent us pictures of themselves. That's a handsome lot, by the way. Mostly young, by the way, too. Look, most of the pictures that I saw looked young like they men. were in their yes. late 20s, uh, uh, early 30s. Uh, young men, mostly. Um, very, I mean, you, you, can, you can tell a lot by a picture of somebody. Bright eyes. Um, <clears throat> these are, are, are uh, uh, individuals that have, take, are taking good care of themselves. This is, these are, are, um, are people that are making a contribution. You, you just, uh, I right. don't think I've ever seen faces that just resonated more with me. It was, just, it was the antithesis of the Herodim. These pictures yeah. of, yeah. of young Israeli men in Israel. Uh, they were the antithesis of the Herodim. It was so, uh, one of the happiest days ever to see this. And, you know, yeah, I was talking about... Um, you know, in the range of 7,000 Yehud. That might not sound like a, uh, a lot when there's, you know, perhaps 15 billion, or 15 million, I'm sorry, uh, eight, 8 million people, 15 uh, million uh, Yehud, uh, to one level or not. But uh, considering the fact that most are already disqualified, all of the ultra-Orthodox are disqualified, most of the mm-hmm. Orthodox are disqualified, most of the secular uh, who are all the way uh, to progressives and are I, who identify through their politics or their sexual orientation or something like that, that that defines who they are. Listen, I'm not saying anything against, at this point, homosexuality <laughs> or, uh, or uh, right. bisexuality. Anything it doesn't mean squat to me, and it really doesn't mean anything to Yahweh either. Uh, the uh, the two statements on what are interpreted to be anti-homosexuality aren't really aren't anti-homosexuality. God's got his his no-no list sexually, but that no-no list is is things that are much more serious: bestiality, uh, incest, pedophilia, rape, um, those kinds of uh, of things. Right. Uh, so, but if you're if that defines who you are you're not going to be open to this message. You know, if it's just an aspect of who you are, it probably doesn't make any difference. Right. But the progressives, you know, it's probably 30%, uh, maybe more, 35% of Israel are overtly political. Um, 
and you've got um, between Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox probably another 30-35% of Israel that is uh, absurdly religious. They've already disqualified themselves. There, there's going to be no hope for them. They're, they're not going to show any interest. And so you've already got a, a much narrower cross-section of people. And, and some, well, God can reach anybody at any age and invite them into the covenant if he wishes to. But a lot of people who have been really set in their ways are typically not open. That's why I think that so many of the True. people who sent pictures were, were young men. Rational, mm-hmm. thoughtful, uh, open. Uh, they're like uh, the definition of a beeb. Barley that is still green and growing and not hard um, to define the start of that month. And it's for these young men and women that we do this program. It's for these Israelites that we write these books. If you're Goyim and you wish to join us, so long as you're not anti-Yisrael, so long as you um, recognize that it's one Torah for all of us, it's one covenant, Bereth for all of us, it's one set of Moed Mikre invitations to meet with God for all of us, and accept Yahweh's path and his name and his son's commitment to fulfill the Moed Mikre, then you're welcome. Right. All right, so we were uh, had just finished the 89th uh, Bisbor, I think, uh, statement uh, 37 was, uh, was where we were. And it's, uh, it was yes, kind of an interesting spot because in the chapter devoted uh, to this. Uh, this uh, happens to be uh, presented uh, in, uh, in a, a fairly early uh, uh, one of the uh, Coming Home series. It's in volume one of Coming Home. And that's a little bit of a surprise because Coming Home, the commitment of Coming Home is to go through the Moed Mik- uh, Mikre, to go through, uh, not the Moed Mikre, I'm sorry, the, uh, the uh, uh, Psalms, the, uh, uh, so that we would through the Mismore, be able to chronicle what Dode has to say about himself. And so the, you know, the first volume only gets through, you know, in the range of, uh, of um, uh, 20 or 21. Um, and so here we have the 89th, but it's, maybe it's because uh, I wasn't patient enough to pace it out, no, knowing where we were going. Yeah. yeah. Understandable. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you look at God's, the attributes that he's looking for and the men and women that he chooses to work with him, um, patience is very seldom one of the attributes that he says, oh, boy, I'm going to work with that guy or gal because they're patient. So so I guess that's okay. (laughs) Enthusiastic happens to be one of them that he likes. He likes, um, you got to, you got to like the written word more than the mm. spoken word. Uh, you, uh, you have to uh, be willing to go where the words lead. Uh, you uh, have to trust Yahweh. Um, and he prefers people who, uh, who are passionate by design, who, who, um, mm. um, and who are courageous, who don't, uh, are not bothered by bucking the crowd. So at long last, we have reached the transition from the benefits uh, that would be provided by Dode to the consequence of Dode's people um, denying him. 
Uh, this is the very thing that drew us to this from Second uh, uh, Samuel 7, which um, uh, to my way of thinking, I think Second Samuel 7 is the pivotal uh, um, chapter in the entirety of the Tanakh, the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. Um, it, it's about what happened 3,000 years, give or take a few years, from the expulsion from Eden to our return uh, in Eden. And it's a discussion that uh, father and son, Yahweh and Dode, are having about houses and families and uh, who lives in them and who builds them and and how they work together in this regard, it, it's, it's, well, it is the preeminent prophecy in the entire um, story. And it happened to be <clears throat> where I began. Uh, there's a word in it, Asher, that uh, attracted us to this place. And, and in that prophecy, uh, the only way to understand it is to move forward and to cover the 89th Mismore so that you understand the consequence uh, that is um, that happened to Israel as a result of denying Dode's role as the Son of God and Messiah, as well as the Passover Lamb. So after all of these years of trying, we have finally come to understand this most uh, intriguing of prophecies. Uh, prior to this time, I think I was ill-equipped <coughs> process what follows, and and that's part of the beauty of all of this. Um, God's not looking for perfect people. His idea is he wants to perfect the imperfect. And, uh, you know, a great example of that is Moshe says, you know, I don't speak very well. Got a thick tongue. And God says, yep, you're perfect. We're going to go do this together. <laughs> just, just to prove that I don't care if somebody somehow mispronounces my name when trying to state it correctly, I'm going to pick a guy with a speech impediment to share my name with the world. <laughs> Just perfect yeah. with, uh, with Yahweh. So uh, the reality is that, that God likes it when we grow in our understanding with him because it, it shows the process that others can follow and it works best as a witness. Because if you're a witness and you just start and I just know it all, then you're not setting the example that you want others to follow, which is to do as Kirk and Dee have done, and so many others that are essential to getting this message out, which is to do their own due diligence, to, to also explore and learn, because if you follow that example, <clears throat> rather than believe that guy, you now trust Yahweh. Yes. So God wants yes. his witness to learn and grow, and if you're learning and growing, it means that the stuff you know tomorrow is greater than the stuff you know today. And sometimes yeah. the things you learn tomorrow are a little different than the things you knew yesterday. Sometimes they're just more complete. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, it took a while to fully process what follows. But now, if I may restate the assessment presented at the conclusion of our reviews of Yahweh's prophetic pronouncements to Dode, I think we'll see what follows more clearly. Dode exemplifies and represents 
more than one man. He represents Israel. He represents himself, the one man that God chose. He represents Yahud, the beloved of Yah, who gave his life for his people in his second life. And he represents all Yisrael as the king of Yisrael on his return. He also embodies the best and worst in Yisrael. There's so many things that, <clears throat> that he got wrong. Nothing that he got wrong when he was writing a Mizmor, but the things he got wrong in his life. And in that way, he is Israel. So more than Jacob, Dode is Israel. The promises made to him were made to them from being the children of God. What does he call them? Bene Yisrael, the children of Yisrael. In fact, he even tells Pharaoh that Yisrael is my firstborn. And he announces to the world in this 89th Mismore that Dode is my firstborn. Common denominator, right? Mm -hmm. Dode, if Israel is firstborn... If firstborn is Dode, Dode is Israel. So the promises that were made to him were made to them. Not only being the children of God, but being heirs to the covenant, to being recipients of the land. His joys and heartaches, his ongoing battles with Goyim, his insights and confusion, the benefits he enjoyed, in concert with the covenant and the consequences he endured when he ran afoul of it are all shared by the nation he shepherded and that he saved. It was in concert with Dode representing Yisrael and of Yisrael's contribution to annulling the truths we have been considering throughout this series on the 89th Mismore, that these words were prophetically inscribed in parallel to 2 Samuel 7. After all, it is Yisrael which has, but now you yourselves have refused to accept creating a foul stench by snubbing, such that you have rejected by diminishing the merit of, even spurning over time by repudiating the very essence of, improperly, and on your own initiative, meddling, while presumptively passing over your Messiah. Oh my God, does that hit Israel right between the eyes? You know, today they, the, the non-Orthodox refer to the Herodim as Messianics. They're, they're saying, oh, we can't be Israel until the Messiah arrives. We can't uh, do this, can't do that, can't, can't do anything, can't even defend the land until... Messiah arrives, and they got no idea who he is. Huh. They've snubbed 
the actual Messiah. They repudiated him. They never once say until Dode returns. They've rejected and diminished the merit and spurned, repudiating the essence of their Messiah. Masayak. It is why Judaism exists. What was the first act of Judaism when Rabbi Akiba, the father of rabbinic Judaism, burst onto the scene? What was his act to prove that he was the guy? A false messiah. Not only a false messiah, one named son of a star. And what did the nation of Israel do? They took Bar Kokhba's star and applied it to themselves and even took the false Messiah's symbol and slathered it over Dode. There's no star of David. It's reprehensible. It's a sign of being Stockholm, taking the symbol that was used to bring the Rome upon you. To cause the diaspora. Right. That was the symbol that separated Jews so they would endure the, whole, the horror of the Holocaust. And you made that symbol the symbol of your religion and of your nation. What in the hell were you thinking? It's kind of like Christians saying, Oh, well, this, he, Jesus Christ, he's God, so our symbol is going to be a dead God on a stick. <laughs> what are you thinking? Yeah. You have to be stupid to be religious? <laughs> yes. You know, you read this, and if you weren't as verbose as I am, you'd be speechless. I mean, that, that's the yeah. natural reaction to this. God just nailed Judaism. And not only did he nail Judaism, of course, the most popular religion in the world was started by Jews. And it does this very thing. This is the essence of Christian's replacement theology upon which the religion is predicated. Yeah, it was phrasing. His timing are impeccable. But he inspired this 3,000 years ago. Why did it take 3,000 years to make sense of it? To draw your attention to it? And now that you're hearing it, what are you going to do about it? The creator God of the universe affirmed this profound truth so many times and ways it is befuddling that as few as one in a million Yehudim will come to acknowledge doubt. Or that five billion Goyim bequeath the Greek variation of this title on another. After enduring 2,000 years of harassment for failing to accept Jesus as their Christ it turns out Jews were right. Well, halfway. 
Now it's time to take the next step and recognize Hamasiach for who he truly is so that the family is reconciled. If you are a descendant of Jacob or Dode, reflect upon what God inspired in Mismore 89, 38. Almost everything religious and secular Jews have claimed regarding Dode David, their anticipated Messiah, and the fulfillment of the Moedim is false upended, incongruent. Jews have on average 15 points higher IQ than the rest of the world. But you couldn't figure this out. Before it's too late, get with the program. Embrace what Dode represents and then accept the realization that he is not only Hamasayak, but also Ben Elohim, the Son of God, who served as the Pesach El, which is why God refers to him as the Zeroah, sacrificial lamb. Do not pass over him in an ill-conceived attempt to validate the lies of Judaism or to justify the myths of Christianity. Now I understand that Yehudim have been plagued over the uh, years, actually the centuries, by those who believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And because Christians blame Jews for killing their mythical misnomer, the very idea of the Messiah being the Son of God and of him fulfilling Pesach has to be disorienting. Sure. And while there never was any rationale or reason for a Messiah named Jesus Christ, no validity to the religion of Christianity, no justification for the New Testament, or credibility in calling oneself a Christian, there has been incalculable harm perpetrated by these delusions. And while that may have been the most heroic and anti-Semitic fraud ever perpetrated, the truth is sweet revenge. The Messiah was here, and he was the Son of God. He not only fulfilled Pesach and Matzah, leading to Bakurim and Shabuah, one does not have to change his name or upend his identity or deny any prophecy to accept any one of the many hundreds of promises to this moment in time. I love it when you come upon something that is the grand unification theory is, uh, is what Einstein sought. You know, he tried to uh, get all of the uh, five forces to act like they were one thing, like he was able to do with uh, energy and, uh, and matter. Well, Dode is the grand unification 
a theory, except it's not a theory, it's fact. Right. He exemplifies the covenant, he enabled the covenant. He exemplifies the Torah, he fulfilled the Torah. He is the Son of God, he was the firstborn, he is the one who fulfilled firstborn children. God told Abraham when they had that whole conversation about father and son, who's going to provide the, uh, the lamb, and then Yahweh said, I will. And he offered his son. It is the one unifying theme that makes sense of all of it, of Pesach opening the doorway to the family home. Dode's name, Kirk, has uh, three letters. What are the letters on the bookends, the uh, first and the third letter? The Dillette. The what doorway. is the left? A doorway. It's a doorway to, doorway to the home, yep. family home. Right. Yep. In the middle of that is the is the uh, tent peg that in mm-hmm. those days held the tent. Uh, it was the pillar in the middle of the tent. It would hold the tent up. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you have Dode opening the doorway to life in the covenant. And then so that we were prepared to meet with God... He does the most magnificent thing in the history of humanity. He agrees to take all of our guilt, everything we'd ever done wrong, and take it into Sheol, the place totally separated from Yahweh, and deposit it there, never to be seen again. What a perfect way to resolve the problem of our guilt. It's gone. We look perfect because there is no evidence against us. No evidence, no trial. No trial, <laughs> no evidence. No apparent. We look perfect. <laughs> everything we do, God says, hey, that's pretty cool. And everything we screw up, I doesn't even see it. <laughs> it's the best solution ever. And what does it lead to? It leads to the Bakor, firstborn, fulfilling, Bakurim. The plural of that, firstborn children, and thereby enabling the benefits of the covenant. It's the grand unification theory. It brings everything together. There's no gaps. There's no contradictions. There's no but. What about this? Now you don't have to worry about why there's no reference anywhere to... uh, to the fulfillment of Pesach and Matzah and Bakudim, other than that which speaks of Dode or was written in first person by Dode. You don't have to wonder why no one else's name is ever associated with returning Masayah and King of Kings other than Dode. You don't have to worry about why every magnificent prophecy either has Dode's name in it or makes it obvious that the prophet is speaking of doubt. Now you understand when God says, okay, I'll never speak directly to you again. I got this all figured out. I'm going to choose this guy. He's my chosen one. He's going to do it. And he's not going to just do the talk. He's going to do the walk. Everything fits together and makes perfect sense 
when we see it from that point of view. Perhaps worse than removing Yahweh's name 7,000 times from his testimony in the Torah Nabiwa Mizmor and replacing it with the adversary's title, the Lord. This error in judgment, this lapse of character, by denying the Messiah, has caused more harm to Yehudim, Jews, than any other. They ought not to have been looking to the future for a Messiah to save them. When he'd already been the most prominent and productive man in their past and has already saved them. Dode's name would not have been changed to Jesus Christ. And Christianity's New Testament would have been stillborn had the actual identity of Yahweh's Messiah been acknowledged by his people. And that it has been conveyed by Yahweh. Let's affirm a heartbreaking reality. Jews have been their own worst enemy. Look even at Dode's name. They call it David. Dode has meaning. Look up Dode. It means beloved. Mm -hmm. David doesn't have any meaning. And by changing the pronunciation of the wa, which conveys the O sound in Yahweh's name, to a V is evidence against Israel that they were deliberately trying to keep people, their own people even, from being able to pronounce Yahweh's name, to keep God out of their lives out of their religion. The Hitpael stem was used uh, to modify a bar by um, improperly and on your own initiative meddling where presumptively, while presumptively passing over. So to have the Hitpael stem modify this concept proves this case. Hit pale means without any outside influence, you did this. Did you fail? Yeah, you did it. You're guilty. This uncommon stem reveals that the religious have unjustifiably passed right by him in antipathy, somehow displeased with his affairs, all while acting on their own initiative, and thus not God's. Equally telling. A bar is the basis of Pesach, and thus Passover. When Yahweh defines Pesach, the verb he uses is a bar. And so what has he done here? He says that they have failed to recognize this connection of a bar to Passover with their Messiah, equating the rejection of the Messiah with foregoing the purpose of the Mikra of Pesach. On behalf of Yahuda and Yisrael, even the Goyim who were listening, accept and embrace 
the beloved Masayak, the Melech. Accept him as your brother and as God's son, even as your shepherd, but mostly as your savior. Listen to Yahweh's Bakar, chosen one, the Kodesh, set-apart one of Yisrael, and concur with him, because when it comes to God, Dode is right. He is Sadak. As for religious Jews, it's a perplexing irony, really. Wearing black and bobbing their heads up and down, as if to exercise their demons, they babble to their nameless G-D and minions, facing a stone wall <laughs> erected by a ruthless dictator, while reciting Dode's Mismore from Rote. <laughs> Only they would consider what he had to say instead. If only their heads were not as hard as the Edomites' wall, some of what they recite might actually penetrate their thick skulls. But alas, it is not to be. Dodes, Mismore, and Yahweh's Dabar are for the non-religious. And it wouldn't take long for Yehudim to hit rock bottom. The fall from Dode was swift and it was painful. It begun with, with uh, Solomon. He capitulated to accommodate the religious interests of his wives and concubines. Reminding Israel of their fall and of the religions they begot and those they beguiled, Yahweh declares, you have repudiated and renounced the covenant with your co-worker. You have dishonored and defiled his dedication to the land. When Dode is renounced, so are the Moedim, because he fulfilled them. When Dode is repudiated, so is the covenant, because he enabled it. When Dode is dishonored, the land to which he was devoted suffers. Well, so what I don't understand, and I don't think Yah does either, is with the conditions of his covenant so liberating, uplifting, and with the benefits so enriching and empowering, and with him proving that his promises are reliable, why disavow and replace what God is offering? With Dode so generous, why disavow what he has accomplished and reject what he is offering? Makes no sense. For those who may be protesting, saying that they haven't repudiated Dode because they honor David by having chosen to Fly a flag emblazoned with his star. I challenge that assumption by categorically stating that there has never been a star of David and David isn't his name. Creating a false caricature of a man in this manner 
degrades his authentic nature. And it plays you for a fool. Mm-hmm. The history of the uh, development of that star is just tragic. From Bar Kokhba, son of a star, to its uh, origins then again in the Zohar, to how it was plucked out of obscurity, uh, and largely because of how Bar Kokhba, the false messiah, led to the diaspora and, and to the degradation of, uh, of Jews in Europe. That star followed them. That star was the symbol of their greatest mistake. And now Stockholmed, they wear it. They wave it. They adorn their Talmuds and their kipkas, kippas with it. A little explanation may be helpful as we consider the next statement. The sheepfold whose walls have been torn down, represents the barriers around the covenant, which were designed to keep the religious, political, conspiratorial, and ignorant out. You have broken down and destroyed his entire sheepfold and all of its walls. You have caused the undoing, the degradation and destruction of his fortifications. As a rebuke to every religion, Yahweh has deliberately restricted access to his covenant, effectively keeping the religious and political out. In the first condition of the covenant is walk away from Babel, which is the wellspring from which the intermixing of religion and politics was first manifest. Ignorant or adverse, to the five instructional terms God set as his conditions for entry, men like Akiba and Paul have sought to annul the Almighty's intent while projecting their own. So let's be blunt. The Garden of Eden had walls. Why do you think the Garden of Eden has walls? And what's the connection between the walls that were torn down of his fortifications, of his sheepfold, and the very walls of Eden. The walls of Eden weren't to keep Adam and Chawa locked inside if, as if they were prisoners. But instead, it was to keep the rest of humankind out because they were, were religious, they were vicious, and they did not belong. The gone protective garden enclosure of Eden great joy was as the name implies. It was fun because the curmudgeons were excluded. And it was Eden, so will be Shamaim. As was God's relationship with Dod, so will it be with all of the covenant's children. That is why this Mizmor psalm is so important. Dod and the covenant continue to be integrated. They are indistinguishable and inseparable. With the beloved upholding and representing the family such that an attack on Dode is an assault against Israel. That is a revelation. Wow. 
All who pass by this way plunder him. They ransack him. They loot him. They rob him. That's the very basis of Judaism and Christianity is to plunder and rob Dode as the Messiah, the Son of God, and Savior. That is the essence of those religions. And here is God telling us in the 89th Mizmor that all who pass this way, consider that the Abrahamic religions, all plunder him. He has become scorned and abusively ridiculed, defied and upbraided, insulted and held in contempt. He's dead and buried, according to both Peter and Paul. by those who claim some affinity with him. Christians, Muslims, and Jews. Claiming to have an affinity with David is common. His name appears in the New Testament, in the Talmud, and in the Quran. Similarly, Christians, Jews, and Muslims with wholly contradictory belief systems all claim to be Abrahamic religions even though they degrade Abraham's legacy. Alleging similar origins, their gods share nothing in common. Christians are particularly guilty, lugging around an Old Testament with its tribute to Dode, around with their revised ones, which plunders his legacy. Easy. They claim an affinity for the boy who slew the giant, and who sang the 23rd Psalm, not knowing that it is Yahweh for whose namesake the song was written. I stumbled into something the other day. Mm-hmm. You know that, the, uh, that when um, the great Isaiah scroll was found, it was found by three shepherd boys looking for lost sheep. There are three Zoroah. They found the container in which the great Isaiah scroll was in because they threw a stone into a dark place. (laughs) Yes, indeed. There are some very, very interesting parallels between shepherds and lost sheep and throwing stones. Then, of course, in that they blame Jews for all of their problems, they must deny that he was the most Yehud of all men. Even in the Quran, there's an entire surah devoted to Daud. The problem is that this imposter was a Muslim. He worshipped Allah, confronted with the Dead Sea Scrolls and the parchments memorializing this psalm a thousand years before their religion was invented. I wonder how a literate Muslim would react after seeing Yahweh's name rather than Allah's. Many of those who pass this way ransack the covenant, ridiculing everything that Dode represents by taking it from him and giving it to themselves or others. They jeopardize countless lives by falsely claiming a, an affinity with either Dode or the covenant and then advocating on behalf of their New Testament, their Talmud, or their Quran, 
And sadly, many of them have settled in proximity to Israel. Today, we know them as the practitioners of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Speaking of the religious, who, whether they be pilgrims or refugees, crusaders or jihadists, God says, speaking to his people, you mm-hmm. have lifted up and exalted the upper hand of his foes and his adversaries, especially those who try to constrain and limit him. Sar. You have caused all of those who demonstrate animosity and rancor toward him to be delighted. This is God is making the accusation that uh, I've been making for the past year or so. Uh, He just beat me to it by um, 3,000 years, but give him credit, he's a lot smarter than I am. Yeah, he's a lot smarter than I am. Um, But nonetheless, I did come to this conclusion before I uh, had figured this statement out, so at least I'm smart enough to figure it out. Slow, but got there. Judaism, in its present form, emerged under Rabbi Akiba to deal with the upstart religion that was being promoted by Peter and Paul of this false messiah and false son of God who had done something that they don't quite understand on Passover. And to refute its and rebut its growing popularity... Judaism was created, and rather than saying, wait a minute, you got this all wrong, it's Dode that's the Messiah, it's Dode that was predicted to arrive in Jerusalem on this day to fulfill Pesach and Matzah and then Bekorim, it's Dode who is the Son of God, it's Dode who is our Savior, it's Dode who is our King, it's Dode who is returning. Rather than say those things and to cite the hundreds of prophecies that Yahweh made to affirm them, they instead went the opposite direction and said, well, you got a false messiah, na-na-na-na-na, we got one too. <laughs> you like the term rabbi, I think we like it too. We're going to take that term from you. And by doing so, by um, trying to rebut a lie with another lie, What God says is that you, my people, have lifted up and exalted the upper hand of Dode's primary foes, of the most popular religion in the world that robbed Dode of everything to create this myth of a Christian God. You did this. You're responsible. And by the way, he could have said the same thing about Islam. If it wasn't for Jews selling Muhammad, Talmud stories, and Yathrib, the Quran would never have existed. Islam would never have existed. There would be no fake Estinians as terrorists trying to kill Jews today. They've got yeast all over their faces. You've caused all of those who demonstrate animosity and rancor toward him to be delighted. God has made his point. He, as you would expect of any loving father, is angry. He's annoyed 
by what those who falsely claim to speak for him have done to denigrate his son and to diminish all that he accomplished through him. It was the Jews who gave the upper hand to those who would seek to destroy them. No, the Jews didn't kill the Christian God. No, what they did was suicidal. They drove a stake to their own heart by denying the actual Messiah and Son of God and his fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, and Bekorim. They destroyed themselves. They killed themselves. The four most toxic belief systems were all founded and abetted by Jews. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and socialism. By their failure to acknowledge that Dode was the Messiah and Son of God, and that he returned to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim as predicted, Yehudim opened the door for Christianity. Through their denials, great lie of replacement theology. And they were also guilty of creating their own replacement theology. They replaced Yahweh's name with Hashem and Adonai. They replaced the Torah with the Talmud. They replaced a Messiah that was exceedingly well known with an unknown Messiah. Yes, they too have replacement theology. For Christianity to differentiate itself from Yahweh and Dode, from their Torah and covenant, enough to become popular with Greeks and Romans, they would need a New Testament. And for it to be believable, it would have to borrow heavily upon Yahweh's testimony, claiming its prophecies as their own. Therefore, the new religion proposed that it was authorized by the same God and justified by the same prophecies. But how is that possible when one outcome is so contradictory to the other? The answer for Christianity became replacement theology. This sleight of hand wasn't simply about assigning the blessings and promises God offered for Jews to Gentiles without any justification that God was going to choose to work with the people who sought the eradication of his family and his children. It's about replacing one covenant with another and then Yahweh and Dode with Jesus. If you don't concur, do what I've done. After scrutinizing Paul's renunciation of Dode for the sake of his Jesus, go to any Christian site and read their assessment of every prophecy pertaining to David. You'll find that Jesus isn't named in a single prophecy, but every time Dode's name appears, Christians insist that it actually applies to their Christ, Christ as if God doesn't know the difference between the two names, nor is he aware of which one he anointed his Masayak. Yes, Christianity requires a very stupid God and irrational faithful. The problem for Christians was 
as simple as it was profound and remains profound. Without the Torah, prophets, and Psalms, they have no God and they have no credibility. But with them, they represent a jumble of contradictions. Their only hope was for the people to believe their lies and for the faith to occlude judgment. They banked on apathy and ignorance. For the most part, they got it. Yeah. And yet today, at least for some, there is a battle for hearts and souls, and it is raging throughout the world. A struggle between right and wrong. Uh, the loudest voices are those who claim that they worship religious gods, while the chorus of those who stand with Dode and speak for Yahweh is currently faint among the billions. We're about to uh, end our broadcast portion of our program. We'll go through this next uh, statement um, as we continue to record since uh, the overwhelming preponderance of people um, listen to the archives of this program as it's, it's posted uh, around the ether of the Internet. Okay. So uh, what's worse? And adding to the resentment you have turned around again, having assaulted, besieged, bound up, and constrained the rocky crag of this battle for Choreb, such that you do not stand with him or support him in this conflict. God's very clever when he inspires someone to convey his testimony. And sometimes he can say, okay, we've been speaking of Dode, and, and they're, um, they've done all these things pursuant to him. But he can also throw in a word which, which, which trips the, uh, the believers up. So they're not likely to understand. And Choreb is one of those words. It, uh, actually, both Choreb and Shur. Shur mm-hmm. is a rocky crag. That's the basis of my name, by the way. Yes. And just as Yehudim have shown their resentment towards and have besieged and bound up and constrained their appreciation of Dode, they mm-hmm. do the same to the rocky crack. What is the battle mm-hmm. for Choreb? Choreb is where the Torah was revealed. Torah. That's yeah. this mm-hmm. battleground. And the majority of Yah's people do not stand with him or support him in this conflict. That's Mizmor, Psalm 89.43. There's a plethora of tantalizing insights in this little statement, beginning with the realization that Amp's primary connection is to engender resentment and wrath. It's heavy breathing, frustration. Mm-hmm. Those who continue to turn against Dode will endure the sting of this judgment. God's not happy. That's what Alf conveys. Also interesting is sure. It's translated as the edge in the Jewish publication society's holy scriptures according to the Masoretic text. It is scribed as a verb. There was no definite article 
in the text and edge is not among Sewer's meanings when presented as a noun. Had it been written as a noun, our options would have been rocky crag, sharp flint, or stone. Mm-hmm. But it was written in the call infinitive, which means it's definitely a verb. And it is not only active, but also intensifies the actual and ongoing action of laying siege, of enclosing, binding up, and confining in a hostile and harassing fashion. Do you know that sur is the word that sits in the midst of the time of Jacob's sur, troubles? It's, it's the basis of Mitzrayim. Mitz is my, so to question the implications of sur, and the M makes it just plural, of being besieged, of, of being in a crucible of religious and political oppression. Sur is a really important term. Sar and sur. Mm-hmm. Laying siege, enclosing, binding, confining. This makes perfect sense because the perspective, or the perpetrators, I should say, engendering Dode's wrath continue to be the Jewish religious leaders who have sought to constrain the Savior by assaulting his achievements. You won't find a rabbi speaking of Dode's sacrifice and his enduring love by laying down his life to provide life to Yisrael through Pesach. They don't even celebrate matzah anymore. And yet, the greatest gift that the Son gave us was to take our guilt and haul it off into Sheol. They won't acknowledge that. There is no connection between Dode and firstborn because, well, according to Judaism, they're different species. God and G-D and David. And they're not smart enough to recognize Dode is the embodiment of the covenant and the covenant is God's family. Figure it out. It's not hard. It's a simple story. I am his father. He is my son. He is the exemplar of the Bereth covenant. Further, if we are to read rocky crag or stone into this depiction, it was based upon this sharp rocky edifice that Yahweh first revealed his fiery light to Moshe and then to the children of Israel upon Mount Choreb. We would also reveal his Torah. Moreover, it is my contention that Dode's song, the 89th Mizmor, is the cornerstone of the covenant home, of Yahweh's home, and that it was revealed in the Yobel year of 3000 Yah, 968 BCE, four years into Solomon's reign as the construction began on Yahweh's home. The Hebrew name for the mountain upon which Yahweh introduced himself to Moshe and then revealed the Torah is Choreb. Spelled the same way in the text, it also serves as the Hebrew word for dry and desolate, battle and conflict, sword and chisel. 
And while we can choose any definition that works within this context, we are prudent to include each that fits so as not to deprive the reader of God's full intent. In this case, I see Dode standing between the two mountains of God, Joreb and Moriah, bringing the Torah to the heart of the land and fulfilling it in the city of Dode. This is not only evident by the king's marvelous dissertation on the Torah in the 119th Mismor, but also by his volunteering to serve as the Pesach Al Passover lamb. There is a battle that is being waged for the souls of humankind. The religious are on one side and the father and son are on the other. And while Judaism and Christianity have written Yahweh and Dod, Chorab and Moriah, the Torah and the Mikre, out of their story, father and son are battling to bring them back to Israel's attention. There has been a war of words for the past 3,000 years, to dote or not to dote. It is the ultimate question, because where we stand with dote characterizes where we stand with God. This war has often erupted in bloody conflict. The two Assyrian and Babylonian conquests, the two Roman wars against the tiny province of Yehudah, Judea, the abuse Jews have suffered under the Roman Catholics during the Crusades and under the Ottomans, by the whole of Europe, by the Nazis and Soviets, and today by Islamic jihadists and progressives. Service proof that the world is against Dode and the people he represents. This may be a a good place to to stop. uh, uh, The next statement is uh, 8944. It is... um, it's both profound and heartbreaking. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll share it uh, this evening because it is uh, it is heartbreaking, and maybe I can go over it a little quicker uh, next week because it's it's hard to start on something that is uh, this uh, um, sad, but it is. Sure. With the yes. exception of those who have come to know Yahweh and His beloved Son, many through these books. What follows remains true of almost everyone else. You have truncated, causing a succession to all of the work, removing and taking away from his purifying brilliance and means to restore with his glorious status. And his position of honor, his dignity and power, you have hurled to the ground. Ms. Moore lurked, saying, 8944. In their own lives, they have truncated what Dode has done by fulfilling Pesach, Matzah, and Bekorim, uh, as well as Shabuah. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. caused a cessation to all of the work. The writing of these psalms to 
explain what he was going to do, and then his actual fulfillment. They committed suicide. Yeah. And they've mm-hmm. taken away from the most brilliant man who ever lived. The one man who right. gave it all to restore their relationship yeah. with Yahweh. His ultimate position of honor and dignity and power. The greatest of all time. They've hurled to the ground. Yahweh is building a throne room in his home for Dode. In this very mismore we read where Yahweh says that Dode is Elion, as Almighty God. He's coming back so empowered and so brilliant, he's going to appear as if the, the sun in God's presence. God honored him by calling him the one thing that is more important than anything else. He is my son. I am his father. That's as good as it gets. All the rest is fluff compared to that. He was the Zeroah, the Passover lamb. He fulfilled matzah. What more can a man do to earn your respect? And you've thrown it into the dirt. Why does Zechariah 12 say there's going to be so much shrieking and moaning and crying? When Dode appears, they realize this is the guy that fulfilled Passover. We've hurled it all to the ground. Clearly, God is annoyed. He's disgusted that his beloved son, that he anointed, and his Masayak, the shepherd he chose to establish his covenant family, and the sacrificial lamb who opened heaven's door, has been so universally discounted by religious Jews. They have done to Dode what they have done to the Shabbat, renouncing both and reducing both from a celebration of the covenant relationship to doing nothing. And in this case, by either failing to read the words Yahweh inspired in Dode's song or failing to act upon them, religious Jews brought untold misery upon God's people. The failure of rabbis to recognize and capitalize upon What Dode represents and has accomplished is the fulcrum upon which the Jewish people have descended when this should have been the moment they ascended. They were given the opportunity to restore their relationship with Yahweh and to come clean by accepting Dode's fulfillment of Chag Matzah. They would have been welcomed back into the covenant by embracing Dode's glorious status as the chosen Messiah and the glorious Lamb. But the rabbis not only forwent all of this, they tossed it all away, hurling Dode's dignity to the ground. Mm. Well, that probably is a good place to start. It has us 
thinking, God's people thinking, saying, you know, we are, as Jews, we are responsible for all that. We might as well own it. But starting with me, with one person, we can make a difference. 22 years ago on Teruah, I was one and I was raw. And there was none other. And now, 22 years long way, baby. look where we are. Look what we've learned. Yeah. You know, thousands of insights that are unheralded. Yeah. 30 volumes of beautifully presented testimony from Yahweh and through his prophets that we can capitalize on and relate to grow from, be restored into fellowship. Yeah, here we are. Are you listening? Take advantage. Come clean. Accept the gift. Acknowledge Yahweh. Embrace doubt. Accept the invitations to meet with Yahweh. Embrace the conditions of the covenant. It's all there for the taking. And the benefits are forever. Well, I want to, again, thank you all for listening. Um, this is a, uh, a, a truly mentally stimulating and emotional experience. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes sharing this mismore with you because it is our lives. It is um, what we represent. It's what we live for. It is the hope for Yisrael. It is the truth summarized. Uh, it's the answer to every important question. This is the cornerstone upon which everything else is built. Um, So, once one comes to embrace it, you have unification. You see how all the pieces fit together. And once you come to see how the Mismore convey Dode's involvement in the fulfilling the Mikre and how the Mikre enabled the covenant's benefits uh, and how they all bring us into Yahweh's family. And you see how all of this is related and connected. Then you have the greatest gift of all, which is understanding. And with that understanding, the door is flung wide open you to enter God's home and be part of his family. So with that, we'll say happy Shabbat. Welcome, <laughs> um, particularly to those now listening in Yisrael. Um, you are on the, uh, the, the cusp of the greatest journey, the greatest reward in universal history. And to think that you are there now in God's home where he is going to return in 10 years and you're going to be 
been invited now to be one of those people. And you cannot just be one of them. You can be a catalyst mm-hmm. for encouraging more Israelites <coughs> to accept Yahweh and Dode and the Torah. Bring seven. Yes, and everything yeah. the uh, the covenant and the Mikre represent. There's no better time to be you, to be there. Um, so, for all of you, for each of those faces that uh, that I see now with every word that I share in this program or that I write, uh, this is your time. This is your opportunity. Seize it. You know, even if you have your fellow countrymen, not if you will, have them rebuke you and turn against you, it's one thing to be rebuked for your own mistakes, it's a, but it's a source of pride, a great blessing to be challenged for making Yahweh's testimony known to his people. And you've got 10 years. And that's all you have to make a difference. And then we, we enjoy forever. But if you can make a difference, forever will be better because of what you've done to encourage more Israelites to reach up and become part of this family reunion. So capitalize on the time you have left. Um, you are the people that Yahweh has been inviting, that he's reaching out to you to at this time. There's no one on the planet more important. Please, listen, grow, learn. Go where the words lead. Embrace the truth. And once you're sufficiently um, well-read and you've made the connections and gone from to the point where you know what's true and you've made the connections so you understand who God is and who Dode is and what they are offering, then share it. Be confident and bold. Live it. Laugh in the face of adversity. Um, be joyful as you present what God is offering. And be uncompromising. So with that, I wish you all a happy Shabbat to one and all and uh, a, a wonderful week. We look forward to being back with you this time next week. Um, tonight was a program without news. I think uh, we covered a lot of ground because of it. Um, the, you, the news we revealed tonight is, is that uh, Yahweh is returning with Dode and Father and Son are offering you the greatest gift in the history of the universe. Come to know it and embrace it. May God bless you all. Good night. Good night, y'all. Good night, Dee. Good night. Good night, Kirk.